0: In this week's in ear insights, uh, Katie is uh, currently down with COVID. Uh, uh, she's getting better though, which is which is good. So we're uh, John's here to to sub in. Uh, and we're talking about content marketing trends. So John, when you look out at the landscape of content marketing and all the stuff that people are doing what do you see as the content marketing trends that are that are worth paying attention to what 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 do you think are the content marketing trends right now of of 2022 and as we start into the back half of the year start thinking about 2023
1: yeah i mean you can't ignore tiktok i mean that is just the 800 pound gorilla or whatever tired metaphor you want to use for a big large thing that is taking up space and I, you know, it's tough. I have a lot of issues with it and a lot of problems, but you just can't get away from the fact that are, there are people that will just sit down and veg for like three hours, just streaming <laughs> through these videos. And it's very, they've done a perfect job in making it completely frictionless. Um, So obviously TikTok at the top of the pile, video in general, completely gaining momentum on a ton of fronts. Um, yeah, there's a ton of stuff going on. Even uh, over the top video too. I mean, the fact that we, you know, basically TV is all on demand streaming services, so that's giant. And um, yeah, I guess those would be the big three. And then, of course, the explosion in automated content too is also crazy. It, it's it's complete pandemonium, basically. That's my <laughs> take.
0: It's interesting because I was looking at uh, these roundup articles that were written at the beginning of of a uh, calendar year. Uh, everyone's saying here are the content marketing trends to pay attention to in 2022. I went through about 40 of these. Uh-huh. And what I found sort of interesting was that there's not a lot that's substantially different from year to year, because we've looked at these lists from, you know, 2019, 2020, so on and so forth. And other than the pandemic, uh, being kind of a big deal, uh, there hasn't been a ton. So there I, I put them in three buckets. Themes, uh, formats and tactics are are sort of the the (laughs) things that we look at. So in the themes, these are the major themes that people called out in their articles. And this is like Forbes and HubSpot and marketing process. So a lot of, you know, they're, they're, they're reputable marketing publications. They're not like, you know, some guy's blog. Um, empathetic comment, being more human, which we've heard for like the last 20 years, uh, add value, your content has to add value, build community, improve your customer experience create great experiences, uh, which is more of a a point to interactive and be inclusive. And of those themes, the only one that was relatively new this year, that hadn't seen in in much in previous years, was the inclusivity one on uh, on making sure that our content is accessible, inclusive, uh, diversity, focused, etc. From your point of view, in terms of themes, do these resonate as trends or are they so canned that essentially they're the same thing year after year
1: there well there's definitely a, yeah obviously it's kind of just the the be more human i'm surprised transparency is not at least transparency fallen falling off that list which is good <laughs> um but I, I think the ones that ring to me improve cx like i think that is a forgotten one that does need to always be kept in mind, you know, people get too wrapped up in branding and their own internal stuff. And it's like, you you know, if you're going through and examining every step of the customer's journey, that only helps you. And I do like being inclusive, like, it's great to see that, you know, given in light of like, all of the, you know, foolishness we've seen here in the States and all the craziness going on. (laughs) Um, And I yeah, I don't know, it's a it's a very bizarre thing. But we, you know, we see so many tech companies, you know, stepping up and actually taking a stand on a lot of these big issues. And, you know, we can argue uh, on that stuff forever. But it was funny. Last week, I I had been talking with Seth Godin about his carbon albanek. He's done this whole project on global warming. And he was basically saying that we get wrapped up so many times in kind of like fighting with the people in the back row, you know, the bottom 10% that are just never going to believe in inclusivity and, and and fighting with those people. But really, you know through all these channels you can kind of see that you know the majority does want to go in this direction and and people do want to be inclu- included and then it's it is there's a huge tie into product you know because if your product is for a certain group of people you know helping them be seen and talking to them in their terms and understanding how their lives work like that's huge i think there's huge opportunity there that we you know we've just scratched the surface on
0: yeah totally um, okay, let's take a look at some of the formats now going into the, the format section of, of what people uh, think are trends. So in we have visual content video in general, uh, which has been the case since 2005 when Google uh, uh, bought YouTube uh, infographics, uh, making a, a, a resurgence, I guess, after about a decade of, of not being the, the favorite child. Um, and then short form video, of course, TikTok and and its ilk uh, in there. In audio content, podcasting, people are still, still saying it's the new thing, even though it's been around since two thousand four. Uh, live social audio, so Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces, Twitter Spaces I, I have seen more people toying with. Uh, I'm still not convinced there's a there there yet, but uh, who knows? Uh, virtual reality, AR, and this also includes you know the metaverse, as it were. Uh, but uh, AI generated text, uh, machines cranking out lots of mediocre content, uh, events, virtual live and, and this new category that they've, uh, they've I guess renamed hybrid events now as fusion events. Uh, to okay. <laughs> put a new spin on an on a, a now uh, many year product uh, Web three is sort of the big new thing in in these lists, you know, NFTs and their ilk. Uh, whether or not you like them, they are at least newer. Uh, <laughs> and then interactives, of course, uh, and stuff. So, from a formats perspective, anything here that besides NFTs and TikTok that that you've seen that's missing from this list of, of content formats? Uh, let's see, missing. Um...
1: Yeah, I, I, at first I was thinking kind of gamification stuff, but that would be really more tactics, you know, that's kind of layering on top of that stuff, so that one doesn't really count there. Um yeah, you know it's interesting I'd like not seeing webinars or training, you know, you'd think that that would be those two would be on there. Um yeah, obviously no surprise with the short form video thing. Um <laughs> NFTs are a weird bucket. Um You know, and this is like news to nobody, right? We've been talking about Emperor having no clothes in that segment forever. I think, And I guess to to give it a little bit of um, credit, like interesting things can be done if the NFTs are tied to real world stuff. Like we've talked about these events where they say, okay, you buy the thing and now you get entry to the next five conferences or you get like you do get something, not just the buy your own star or buy a, um, you know... some <laughs> digital
0: Pokemon, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's again, the beanie babies. I'm always joking, right? These <clears> NFTs <throat> are going to pay for my kids' college. So, yeah, a lot of weirdness there. But otherwise, no, nothing. Um, oh, I guess video games would be one that I don't see on there that I would put way up there. I, I, you, that might be a tactic too. I, it's where you want to draw the line. But I think that channel of, of video games is just totally insane.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, How I would love you? that interactive. Uh huh. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay and then of course our bucket of tactics we have uh, influencer marketing user-generated content a B testing of content content analytics newsjacking which is now what uh, 15 years old I think personalization of content repurposing content data-driven storytelling and voice search <clears throat> um, I would say of these uh, the what it's interesting personalization people talk a lot about that but they're talking about persona based personalization so doing better market research and having your content be more tailored as opposed to actual personalization where you visit a site and, and the content is tailored just to you um, not very many companies seem to pull that off so from from the tactics perspective what do you see as the trends that are not on here that should be on here um You know, even I hate to say it, but
1: it's kind of having advertised to drive advertising, driving to your content is a major tactic that you've got to have in the mix. You need to buy access to it, but otherwise, that's that's pretty much it. I'm trying on that. You know, I if I'd be surprised, I'm am surprised. There's not like a thought leadership or some kind. You know, you do have influencer marketing. But really, the most tried and true content stuff is just putting out relevant content in your vertical or niche. you know, making the best content in the space. That's kind of the classic and most tried and true tactic because really everything else, um, you know, I mean, these are great ways to kind of boost stuff as it goes. But without the, the actual meat in the pipeline, you're kind of stuck with, you know, if you're just doing the same top five things you need to know about X as everybody else, you're, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, these uh, things like just having good content. I mean, I would not bucket as a trend because if that should be par for the course. Uh, if you're not making decent content, then (laughs) nothing else really matters. Dead in the water. Um, so, So there are a few things that. I thought we're missing here that are, are worth discussing. And you hit you alluded to one of them uh, at the front of the show, um, values aligned content, so cause based content, brands taking a stand, etc. Um, I think that's, a, that's both a tactic, um, as well as sort of an overall theme, that, to your point, as, as the environment changes, and as our audience changes, uh, when we look at Generation Y and Generation Z, they are uh in general, it's a it's a a generalization, but they're in general, a lot more values focused. And they do pay attention to to virtual signaling by brands um, with uh, some levels of cynicism, which is due. But uh, they they do look at brands that are actually doing what they say. So I think that's one of those things that um, didn't make the list that probably should have Um, a second one. Are the private social media communities. I, I think that's a miss. Um, we're talking slack, discord, etc. Yeah, velvet rope uh, stuff, yeah, <clears throat> velvet rope stuff where some of these communities are gigantic, like there's a couple of SEO communities on discord, like a couple 100,000 people in it. Now granted, keeping up with general chats, like you know, watching the, <laughs> the, the matrix, <laughs> you know, uh, scrolling by. But um, there's some there's some fantastic communities, professional communities, on these services. Of course, you know, we would be remiss if we did not mention, uh, the Trust Insights Analytics for Marketers community, which, uh, is around 2,500 folks now. Um, <clears throat> Joe Palizzi's The Tilt, uh, his content, uh, next generation content community, I think is around, a, uh, uh, let's say it's like 500 folks now. It might be higher than that, uh, but those communities are, are definitely growing. And the third one, which I was thinking about earlier was, um, looking at the way Netflix has evolved in the last 20 years from, you know, mail you DVDs, to uh, stream your the hit movies you want to creating from whole cloth, you know new franchises that that people really want, you know, stranger things as an example, uh, and and inheriting and and repurposing existing franchises when they bought Lucifer or they bought Cobra Kai and stuff. So acquiring and then extending franchises. If you've got the budget, or you've got the ability to partner up. Uh, I think there's something to be said for building content franchises that, uh, again, have that sort of uniqueness, you're not going to get anywhere else, you're not going to get that specific kind of content from from someone else. So what are the things that in your marketing, you could turn into a, an actual franchise. Uh, an example for you know, maybe from us from our, our newsletter, we have a, a column in there right now called Data Diaries, um, which uh, and, and the, the So What uh, live stream. <clears throat> These essentially are products. They're not products, people pay money for but they are products and they we chose to we could invest more in them, uh, and turn them into either products or turn them into like, you know, a headliner, uh pieces of content, headliner, essentially franchises where people would tune in just for that thing. And it would stand alone. Yeah, I can see how that's, you
1: know, anything you can do on that front, if you can build something where people, you know, spend enough time with the brand that they then end up wanting, you know, asking you to produce more, that's, that's, that's a home run. It doesn't get any bigger than that.
0: Exactly. Uh, I think... We, we think about, for example, marketing over coffee, about half the shows are interviews, right? And and we actually turned a good chunk of that into a book, right? B2B Marketing Confessions was essentially was was that extracted from a lot of the interviews?
1: You know, that was just a crazy project. Well, that was so confessions was more tactics. We did the marketing over coffee playbook where we had grabbed all the episodes. And yeah, it's amazing how so much of the tactical day-to-day stuff just you you go back about a year and a half and it's it's just useless. And so a lot of the um, the interviews give you more evergreen stuff that you can repurpose. But yeah, that, it's just, that's just a good example of transmedia, you know, going through having somebody sift through the past year of audio stuff and take the text bytes of that you can get. It's, um, it's tough. It's a ton of work trolling through all that content to get to the stuff that's still relevant. You know, it's a lot of editorial lift and you know, it it pretty much broke even as far as like the the effort it took to make it versus the number of copies sold. So um, yeah, that's a a tough one. I don't, I think that is one of those things where uh, if we diverted the resources to it, and we produced three or four volumes, like it may finally hit that turning point where it becomes an industry trend or book. But um, yeah, I don't know, we've just kind of dumped more time into additional audio or other video, you know, we didn't go down that route, just because it's, uh, that project took like two years. I mean, it was insane. It's just, it just takes so much time to, to sift through and get it into the, a new format.
0: and mm-hmm. uh, The other thing to that you could look at, um, in terms of trying to hunt down, uh, where maybe the kinds of things that that could become franchises, is looking at your existing uh, content that that you have, and then uh, looking at very granularly looking out for drop offs, and figuring out where the, the points that people uh, think are important and then pulling those out. So here, for example, this is in YouTube, this is one of our more popular videos uh, on from Trust Insights on setting up Matomo for WordPress, and YouTube will tell you, um, here's your retention rates, right? So at this point here, at about, uh, you know, 90 seconds into the uh, 30 seconds into the video, that's where your highest retention rate is, then obviously, you know, it, there's a second bump here around minute three. So if you have the ability on your most popular content to isolate what those moments are, you know, to your point, it's not just atomization, though, atomization takes apart all the content distributes the different pieces, you could take the most popular pieces figure out if they're strong enough to stand alone, particularly if there's a repeated segment of some kind, and then Bucket that together and say, okay, well, this is going to be the the new thing. So, looking for ideas within your content that you create, because if you're creating a lot of content, it's like a venture capital fund, right? Ninety nine percent of the content you create is probably not going to be a hit, but every now and again, you're going to get that, you know, that one or two uh, big lightning strikes, and then figuring out, okay, how can we take that lightning strike and 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 build it into a new franchise. So from that Netflix perspective, I mean, that's essentially what Netflix is doing. They're creating all these series, they're creating all these uh, original shows. And yeah, some of them are are stinkers. Uh, (laughs) Some of them don't don't work pretty well. And some of them like Stranger Things become um, so much pop culture that that literally there's a Domino's created a, a an app just for season four to allow you to order pizza with your mind. (laughs)
1: yeah well i've seen in the freezer aisle there's stranger things chicken nuggets and stuff like that i mean yeah that that is just everywhere all the time and it's amazing when you think about netflix how much data they have people don't realize you know they think oh well you can see who's viewing it but no they can get every user down to the okay how many minutes did you go and knowing that okay this is a show where everybody turns through every episode and does it in a month or whatever that's just yeah there's so much more data it's weird even on the music front too i've Started to see some artists do that, releasing music and not putting it in any form for sale. Like you must stream it from something, is the only way to hear it because they always have the data as far as, is, you know, is it being taken and are people making it through and which tracks are the most popular and all that stuff.
0: Yep. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that because when you look at a lot of the, the analytics that people use for content, it's pr- usually pretty. I was going to say rudimentary. Like, okay, what was their most popular post and things like that? I was reading one of the, in one of the content roundups, um, talking, uh, the, is this piece of, uh, content walking through what makes top ranked content. And they pulled out all these different stats, like, you know, top ranked content has an average of X number of words and things. But at no point did they do any kind of a regression analysis to say, like, actually, even though, you know, length you know, ha, is is longer in these pieces, length has no actual correlation to the effectiveness of the piece. And that's something that consistently goes missing in content analytics is to say, Yeah, here are the, the factors that actually map to the outcome you care about, and everything else is just kind of noise. Um, and I'm not sure why, uh, other than just lack of either lack of resources or lack of, of, of talent, no one's doing that
1: yeah well i mean i mean part of it is because the content itself is a factor right i mean if it's like you know if you have your best video then you're just saying well that's the best content that's why it's there but you'd have to have a bigger library to do that those additional analytics but yeah i could see if you have if you already have a brand then that would be giant you know you'd be able to really see what the heck is affecting which you know which parts of it are doing better and what formats are more wanted um Yeah, I don't know. Have you heard of anybody doing A/B testing on that kind of front? I've never heard anybody trying anything along those lines, as far as you know, releasing multiple versions of something to see how they run.
0: Other than you know, ad-based stuff, it's it's really hard to do that in general because you know, and and obviously you know, email split testing. uh, It's hard to do content split testing because you don't have control necessarily over uh, who does what. Right? If you if you put a piece of content up. Um, you're always going to have some noise from sources that are not part of the campaign. And you can account for that. There are statistical methods for accounting for that, but nobody uses them. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's just not there yet. Yeah, I mean, you can do like either uplift modeling or propensity score modeling, which is essentially retroactive AB testing um, to see but even then, it's really difficult to do that because again, there's, there's, there can be a lot of confounding vectors that are difficult to take advantage of that's one of those cases where there are too many inputs uh, sometimes to build a a model that's statistically relevant
1: yeah but so it, when you get a brand that wants to dig into this stuff like where do you start what's the normal course that you know where you have at least odds of finding something
0: I mean the first place you would start is does any of your content work period right so um a real simple example is taking, going into their analytics um, and building a, a content attribution model. Saying, okay, of the content you're publishing on your site, does any of it uh, lead to conversion? Look at a content efficiency model. Like, okay, how many uh, page views of, a, of a, your blog does it take to, to net a conversion? If it's like 10,000, like, okay, you're pretty clearly, your, your blog's not working if it takes you that many uh, views just to net one conversion of any time. Those are the, I I would call those sort of the low hanging uh, fruits, same with your basic source, medium, multi touch attribution, like, okay, where is your traffic coming from that leads to conversion? If it's coming from, you know, pay to play. And there's no organic search in there, there's no email in there, there's no organic social in there. And it's like, okay, content's not standing on its own. Like, it it depends on the maturity of the company. If you're just getting started, nobody knows who you are. Pay to play is the way to go, right? To build that audience, but after a couple of years of of pay to play to build that audience, some of it should be coming back organically. Some of it, it, if your content's good, people are like, "Ah, "Actually, that was really good. I'm going to subscribe to your newsletter or whatever." And if that's just not happening, then yeah, you've got some indicators that your content's not very good.
1: Yeah, right. Well, and then you get stuck on that treadmill of every quarter you have to dump the money because you're, you know, you're just never getting the the organic stuff. That's where you know you get the. That's that's how it scales and how the business model eventually works. Otherwise, you're just shoveling cash into the furnace.
0: Yeah, I mean, over time, it should be like intersecting lines. Like in the beginning, page should be high, and then over time, it should decline as as you become more effective. And and unpaid should start at zero in the beginning and then go up over time as the value of your content um, and your ability to retain your audience improves. More and more of your audience should become accustomed to to hearing from you and want to hear from you. And, and, you know, those those two lines should should go in in uh, reverse of each other. Whether it actually happens or not, you know, a lot of it, it depends, it depends on the quality of the content. I mean, it's it, it is annoying in a lot of ways that uh, build quality content is listed as a trend. Uh, because it, it, a, a trend implies something that's mathematically growing or, or shrinking over time. And, and that's been the same advice for, for you know a hundred years but it's there because nobody's doing it yeah right well it's like
1: those cmo marketing budget numbers we always see you know like you said if if the cmo beliefs were true budgets would be doubling every year for the past 50 years and of course what actually happens is different yeah it's and it's tough too because it's um you know there's the quality of your content but if you have some other company that's just doing it more of it and better we've seen this before with orgs that just get squashed because somebody is more dedicated to quality content and they take the oxygen out of the room for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, HubSpot spent what, 10 years and 100 million dollars on uh on building inbound marketing. Um they basically took Seth Godin's permission-based marketing and rebranded it and and yeah, to your point just just took all the air out of the room for for his idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, and all the other marketing trade wrecks, you know, it's amazing to see how their organic traffic is just runaway train.
0: Yep. So, and there is there is something to be said for just creating a lot of it. Um, so, upcoming trends then from from where you sit and from the people that you've talked to, what are the trends that are, have? or the things that have the potential to be trends that uh, you've heard from people that aren't on the list um, that that aren't big enough yet um, to be trends, but maybe are things people should start poking into sooner rather than later.
1: You know, one thing that I just got pitched recently and I'm digging into a little bit is, you know, Gen Z opinions on things. And you had mentioned that already a little bit, them being more value-based. The interesting thing was in vehicle sales, them actually wanting to be more in in person. You know, so much of the, you know, millennials and up are into the totally virtual, you know, just have the car be dropped off at my house. Whereas Gen Zs are talking about going to dealerships, you know, driving three or four different vehicles, getting to meet people like that's a shift for them. Um, the whole clicks and bricks transition that we saw through COVID um, seems to be continuing, and especially weird with inflation going the way as people are cost cutting more. So again, that's pushing them again more towards online purchasing. Um, I don't know the uh, augmented reality. I've seen some real punches against that recently. I th- and um, i don't apple reportedly was like yeah no it's just people don't want to wear these helmets they don't want to be yeah. further isolated from the world like yep. it's just not going to happen uh, and again I, I totally see a lot of the nft stuff burning to the ground over the next year so so yeah i don't know what will come next that's like the billion dollar question i'm not really sure what the heck is the next thing i think it, it, we're, what we're watching is going to be really interesting will live how much will live events rebound and you know will it be a full rebound will it be partial will hi- this hybrid stuff or fusion stuff uh continue to to be hot and how will the in-person stuff go that's going to be really interesting to watch so yeah i don't it's yeah sadly there's no you know nothing's easy everything's going to be on fire and a disaster but you know the the new stuff will come around um but yeah i have you know <laughs> have no idea where the heck to plant a flag next
0: I, there's some macro things that I think can inform some of this stuff, particularly about your your, your level of content marketing agility. I think it has to be much higher and much faster than it used to be. So some uh, some obvious macro things, um, climate change, as, as you talked about earlier, on uh, is going to continue to have increasingly more dire results, um, increase and, and cause more instability. I was reading an article this morning on um, if you get a certain like an early heat wave, uh, when you're when some plants are flowering, like most seed plants and blueberries and stuff, um, it destroys the pollen, it actually renders the pollen inert, uh, sort of sterilizes it. And so you end up with essentially very early crop failures. So things like that create more instability. And the more instability there is, the the less you can market with any kind of prediction. So things like predictive analytics become much more difficult. Um, we've seen this year, uh, you know, if you had a big, uh, you know, q one end of quarter content campaign, guess what, you were completely wiped out by the Ukraine, you know, the invasion of Ukraine. Um, which in part is, is economics. Um, if you had a big, you know, marketing budget spend for the end of Q2, well, surprise, you know, inflation is, is <laughs> taking a bat to your knee. Um, but one of the things I think content marketers have to be very aware of is building for both resilience and agility. Um, something that the onion does really well back in the, in the day, Baratunde Thurston did a great talk on how the onion plans its content. And for every given, you know, major cultural event coming up, they have like a 100 different pieces of, of content, just headlines usually sketched out. But they you know, when something happens, you know, the president falls down a flight of stairs, or whatever, instantly, boom, they've got four pieces of content ready, just on deck, ready to ready to go, their writers just tune it up and then and push it out the door. And for things like, you know, uh, major events, that's something that we should be thinking about, we may want to be thinking about banding together with non competitive companies to have sort of a, a content pool, uh, particularly as talent uh, becomes very, very challenging to, to find good quality talent. Um, and it may be an alternative to, um, to just contracting out to agencies, if you can find non competing companies and, and sort of pool your best writers together, uh, you may be able to create stuff in aggregate, that's better than individuals, if if companies can figure out how to partner up uh, with each other. You know, for example, we do that uh, with uh, our friends over at b squared, uh, b squared media, um, as an example, and then when we look at the the content technologies that are coming out, AI based content, the writing is improving, but there's a lot happening with visual content right now. Um, you have some new models, uh, for example, OpenAI's ai 's Dolly 2 model and, and its entire family uh, of things is generating some very interesting uh content. There's, you know, for example, there's one example they showed uh, where it, it takes a picture of you and you, you tell it, you know, take this picture, but change me from wearing a t shirt to a suit. And it can do it with, you know, reasonable, it, it you can still tell it's manipulated, <laughs> but it is, it is definitely, um, interesting for I, I see a lot of potential for that particularly for advertising, where if you want to be able to programmatically create a million ads, um, I could take a picture of you and change the logo on your shirt and say, you know, take this picture of John Wall, put an AT&T logo, put a you know, a AT&T logo as a cartoon, put an AT&T logo as, you know, uh, on fire or something like that. And, it, and the machines could credibly create that. So there's, I think some interesting visual stuff coming up uh, in the next few years as well. But those would be the, the big uh, trends that the macro thing is instability. If you can create content, a uh, content marketing plan and a content marketing strategy that is resilient to increasing amounts of instability, <clears throat> you're, you're going to need that. And but on, on the hybrid front, I think one of the things people are not paying attention to is if you look at the data at how quickly the SARS-CoV-2 virus is mutating, the cycles between variants keep getting shorter and shorter and shorter, right? You had the original COVID, then you had alpha, and then you had Delta, and then you had uh, Omicron, and you have like 20 children of Omicron, and each at these gets shorter and shorter. And every single time this sweeps through a population, the it was a, a study in Science in Science Journal about how it creates increasingly severe immune impacts, which means more people who have these things are going to be on these things, because their ability to be active and stuff is constrained by uh, essentially uh, severe immune impacts. And so as we think about what hybrid events look like, we obviously have to continue to be to be vigilant, but also recognizing that there will be massive population health challenges in the next 20 years. That will change how people consume content, because if your, you know, if your immune system has been basically beaten to death by twelve variants of, of COVID that you've had over, you know, ten years, you may not be able to be as active. And so we may have, you know, these the, uh, a population of people for whom consumption of digital content may be their primary form of entertainment because they can't do anything else. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, that's an upbeat message to throw out for <laughs> for everybody here today. It's only going to get worse, folks. This is what we're, we're think- we do. We can't. You can't lie about it, though. You know, it's uh, yeah. We definitely have to be able to respond to this stuff and start thinking about it because, I'm sure, the the one thing is that there will always be novel solutions to this stuff. You know, people do find exactly.
0: I I think that's where virtual reality. Virtual reality is overhyped in the short term and underhyped in the long term. I think as the technology improves um, in you know it, it, we're thinking now like a twenty year hi- uh, time frame, a twenty year horizon, it will be um, viable as as an alternative. When you look, for example, at what the Unreal Engine is capable of in Unreal Engine Five in terms of its cinematic quality stuff, yeah, right now it needs a machine uh, to, to be tied to a machine because the the processing co- that compute power required for it is crazy. but if you can get that compact and, and, and get it shrunk down uh, over time and be more efficient, uh, or some other alternative, having you know cinematic virtual reality experiences instead of kind of the weird Tron-like <laughs> stuff yeah. today uh, may be uh, worth exploring.
1: Yeah, get out of the uncanny valley. We're, we're getting close, but it's still a little bit in the oddball stuff.
0: Exactly. So that's too early for that. It's too early for that. So that's not a content marketing trend you're going to be taking advantage of anytime soon, unless you're Facebook, I guess, or somebody else with billions of dollars in R and D that you can just fling around. But for everybody else, it's worth paying attention to. And it might not be bad. Again, if you form sort of these, I guess, content marketing guilds with other non-competing companies, uh, and you have access to a pool of talent, you may want to look at like a shared development resource, somebody who can work in Unreal, and create those like deeply interactive, interesting experiences that right now, you know, are, are solely the purview of video games. But you know, I was playing um City Skyline the other day, which is a, 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 a sort of a SimCity uh, spiritual uh, successor. And you can zoom down like into the individual streets and watch people walking around and you know see the the in game ads and stuff like okay, this is this is there there, I mean, even just billboard advertising in a game like that would be interesting just to, just to you know from a brand awareness perspective, so there's a lot of potential in these virtual environments when they mature
1: oh yeah, no, it's going to be amazing some of this stuff I, and to see so many franchises build up in that space too you know I mean there are entire franchises now that are killing it over there that yeah, that's a big part of entertainment and how we get our stuff, but yeah, hopefully it'll be something better than having the full helmet strapped to your head and crashing into your furniture because you can't see what's going on.
0: (laughs) Hopefully so. All right. So if you've got comments or questions or uh, content marketing trends you want to discuss, pop on over to our free Slack group. Go over to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 2,500 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is that you watch or listen to the show, if there's a channel you prefer it on, we probably have it. Go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. We can pick up the show wherever you like. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.